Hey, this is John, and before we get started, I have a gift for you for being such an amazing listener. Everyone's talking about AI these days, but most of it's about tactics. We've created a series of prompts we use to create strategy, and you can have them for free. Just go to dtm.world slash free prompts and grab yours. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Chance. My guest today is Lisa McCarthy. She's the co-founder and CEO of the Fast Forward Group, a professional development and executive coaching company that has transformed the careers and lives of more than 100,000 professionals at leading companies around the world, such as Amazon, TikTok, Google, JP Morgan Chase, Ford, and more. Lisa has designed a simple and immediately actionable system of power principles to help people achieve success and fulfillment in their whole lives. And that's what we're going to talk about today because that is the basis of her book, Fast Forward, Five Principles to Create the Life You Want in Just One Year. So Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. So, so I'm sure everybody starts here. I'm going to have to start here. You put a timeline on somebody creating the life they want um, in one year. So tell me a little a bit about the basis of that and where that comes from. Yeah, well, what we've found throughout our, our lives and careers is that people have a to-do list. They have goals. And it's challenging, particularly when you're working in a fast-paced high pressure, constantly changing company to zoom out. And so we have a lot of ambition dreams that mostly we keep to ourselves. And if we do share them, they occur as a someday. And so our system recommends that people go one year out. And it's funny because when we first started working and developing the curriculum, Facebook was one of our first clients and they were working on a weekly basis, printing money at the time. And they said, we can't go even a quarter out. Like we could only think till Friday. And we said, well, in order to get people thinking big and believing and seeing more possible, we have to go out one year. And some people will say, oh, should we go three years? And we say, you know what? One year you really are putting a line in the sand and there's things to commit to. And even if you don't get to them by the end of the year, even if you fail, it's worth playing for versus it staying in your head as a someday. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a timeline that's probably people can think, yeah, okay, a year, I can stick with that. But that's also some immediacy, you know, because I, I, there are plenty of books out there that talk about three and five year planning for businesses. And I'm kind of with you. It's yeah. almost kind of like a wish at that point rather than a goal, isn't it? Yes, very much. I think a year is viable. And um, it also brings a little pressure, which is a good thing which is a good thing because when something's yeah, bound yeah. in time, people feel more accountable. And if they, it, you know, in our system, we have, we, we give a very rigorous approach to designing a vision one year out and stating as if it's already happened, which is very different from goal setting. And we ask them to be vivid and specific and measurable, not, you know, I want to improve something or I want to be a better manager it's very specific and measurable and then ask them, you know, coach them to come back to the present and look at what are the next three steps I could take. So very different from my action or to-do list. 
Yeah. So you use the term power principle. I think most people understand at least the basic concept of a principle. What are you bringing to the table with this idea of a power principle? Our system. So there's so much in life that we cannot control. We can't control the economy. We can't control the weather, especially now. We can't control a lot of things that are going to happen in our company that, you know, gets sent on down from the top. And we can't control other people, although we'll keep trying. So the whole book is about where, what can I control? Where do I have the power to improve and change? Where can I take 100% responsibility? So each of the power principles focus on giving people actionable tools and exercises to zoom out and you know, take control of your life. A lot of people are just, you know, in the passenger versus the the driver's seat. And we always say you had the power all along. It's up to you to exercise it. So declare a bold vision. Then we move to choosing a new perspective. You can control your mindset, creating an action plan. You can control where you spend your time and energy. And then we move into communication, another thing you can control. So it's all about control and power in a positive way, in a positive way, and and taking responsibility for how your life looks. All right, let's talk a little bit about that first one. You mentioned the idea to declare a bold vision. I mean, I think, I don't know, I've done several thousand interviews on my podcast over the years, a lot of books on leadership, and that idea of a vision for a business is really common idea. You have a specific exercise for that. I'd love it if you could kind of unpack maybe why you, because I think a lot of people I think a lot of people accept this idea. A lot of people have trouble actually doing it. So I wonder if you could kind of unpack your exercise for that. Yeah. Well, the exercise is for an individual. So a lot of times people are doing visions for their team or their company, and those can Mm -hmm. be very compelling. And this is about at an individual level, a year from today, what does extraordinary success look like? really defining it. So it's not about wordsmithing a three page, you know, excuse me, a three sentence essay, which always used to drive me crazy when I took courses like that. This is about, we're going to give you seven questions, John, and you are going to step off the treadmill and you're going to answer those questions. And these questions are not just about business goals. These questions are about your whole life. So as an example, the very first question is, a year from today, what are you known for? People are typically not conscious of how they're showing up and who they're being. Not only as a leader or, you know, as a professional, but as a sister, as a parent, as a friend, as a colleague. So very early in the book and our program, you're going to raise your consciousness because most people, they're not even thinking, they're just going sleeping. Then we have traditional business questions about what would extraordinary look like in terms of growth. We have all disciplines, right? So for engineers, it's going to look different from salespeople. It's going to look different from lawyers. But you really want to define not only outcomes that are predictable because we don't want to play unpredictable. This whole process is about playing for bold, uncomfortable outcomes that you may not know how to achieve. And if you think about corporate America, it's not designed for that, right? People want to play it safe, under promise, over deliver, get paid, get promoted. 
So this is not that exercise. This is that exercise, you know, keep it to yourself. We recommend sharing some of the things with your manager, because if you're not letting your manager know a year from today, like, here's where I want to be in terms of my career, don't plan on moving. You know, your hard work is not going to like, you know, excuse me, get you promoted, right? You have to take ownership of your career. So you're writing down bold and comfortable business outcomes. If you don't feel uncomfortable, you have, you're not playing big enough, but uncomfortable in a way that you're not up at two in the morning, uncomfortable in a way that I would feel so proud a year from today to have myself and my team accomplish that. And then how do you bring that same level of boldness and rigor and discipline to your personal life and to your relationships. I mean, we've had people in the program say, I don't think about the quality of my relationships. You know, I want to stay married. I want to like, you know, get together with my friends when I can, but they're not really thoughtful about who are the people that really matter. And, you know, in the end at our funerals, they're not going to talk about, you know, 25% business growth or market share. I mean, it's all important. Like work is fulfilling. And if you drop out, whether it's culture, friendships, health, and, you know, when we work with people, they're dropping out a lot of those things. I've had people in the program that, you know, like they'll sleep when they retire. They'll spend time with their kids after the IPO. And so this is an opportunity to really believe fundamentally that I can succeed and excel at work and I have enough time to do what's important. I can take time and invest in my well-being. I can make a list of the relationships that matter and pay attention. For most human beings, this is a breakthrough. They're just not thinking like that. They're not thinking whole life. And that's really what sets this book apart from most of the things on the market. Okay, I want to dive into to number two, choose a new perspective. You talk about reframe negative stories that hold you back. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. But a lot of those negative stories that hold people back, you know, they've had a lifetime of, you know, carrying those around. I mean, how do you flip the switch on that? Yeah, that is for sure. And, you know, first off, I'll state that my partner and I are not therapists. We're not PhDs in, in brain science. The book does have a lot of research in it. And... You know, what's made the biggest difference is practicing this model on our own lives and then sharing it with people throughout the last decade. Um, you're absolutely right. There is negative. First of all, if you're walking through life thinking, I just crushed that presentation, I'm going to get promoted, I'm such a great parent, I've never looked better, keep going. But that's not usually <laughs> what people are, are saying, right? We're saying, negative we have negative stories about ourselves other people and the circumstances and they really do hold us back now why do people change they change because they ultimately unpack the negative story and recognize the cost so step 1 is what is my you know negative perspective or story what is the cost of that story and then what's another story i could choose so as an example, and I'll share one of my own, I was, when I was back in corporate America, there was a reorg, there were many, but I got, you know, layered under someone that I, I was not a fan of. And I went home and, and this was more of, this was more temporal. It wasn't something that I had for decades. And a lot of times people have those too, but I, 
you know, was very upset, very disappointed and, uh, you know, went off about it with my husband. Like, how did this happen? And this is not fair and this is never going to work. And I'm giving you the very short version. But my overall story was like, this is a mistake and it's never going to work. And then when my husband said, well, are you going to put together your resume? Are you like ready to find another job? I said, absolutely not. I love my team. I love this company. I'm paid well. And he said, well, am I going to have to listen to this every night? Uh, which was, you know, a fair question. So I, you know, th and this was really self-coaching. This was self-coaching using the model, which everybody that reads this book can do. I certainly could have suffered for months and months complaining to my colleagues and complaining to my friends. But given I didn't want to change the circumstances and leave the company, I brainstormed new perspectives, which is what our model helps you do. And I ultimately took on, I can learn from every manager. Now, did I believe it at the time? It wasn't authentic, but I then said, okay, so this is my new perspective. What can I do? Well, I can have breakfast with him and get to know him as a human being. I can share in a very, you know, proactive way, our business vision and strategy and, you know, get his coaching on various things. And ultimately I did. I did. So it was really about completing the past and all this stuff. You know, I had a story about him. I have been collecting evidence. That's what we do as human beings. And then unfortunately, human beings often choose to be right versus happy. So, so that's what the model really helps you with. If you have a negative perspective about other people, we're so busy being right and righteous. And I always say in the program, like, you know, Tom is not getting fired because that's what they're hoping. So Tom or that team is not, you know, getting eliminated. So if you need Tom or that team to be successful, what's another perspective you could take on, right? And then we have people in the program that have collected evidence for years that I'm not good with conflict. I'm not good speaking in large groups. I'm not strategic, you know, whatever it might be. And they're, you know, I'm not good with numbers, collecting evidence throughout the years and that's what stopped them. Because if you believe something to be true, you're not going to take any actions to change it. So this has been so game changing for people to try on a new perspective about themselves and about other people, even if they don't believe it at first, like it may not be authentic at first, but they're willing to say, okay, the current lens I'm looking through is disempowering and there's high cost to make. So let me just go for it, take on this new perspective. And it's been massively valued to people. We're constantly hearing back over the last decade how they've had a breakthrough in confidence. They've had a breakthrough in communication in, and in relationships, both professional and personal, right? You're not quitting your family. This is your family. Like, so. <laughs> you, you do have to admit, though, that you kind of wanted to punch your husband a little bit at the time, right? Probably. It wasn't the best night of our marriage, but I just, you know, I wanted him just, I wanted him just to listen, but it didn't play out that way. All right. Let's talk about, you talk a lot about in the book about language and changing your language of action. You actually call it. Give me some, can you give me some examples of where you've coached people through? Here's the language you're using today. Here's the language of action that you might consider. Yeah. So one of the biggest pain points, our, participants face in their companies is meetings. And, and the reason this is such a pain point 
is because people are generally going back to back with phone calls and meetings. There's very little preparation. People are winging it. They may spend more time preparing for a client meeting and they've never been trained in how do you manage a conversation towards a desired outcome? Because if you think about it, most meetings have an agenda. This is what we're going to cover, which has a lot of what we'd call in the stands. We're going to describe, we're going to forecast, we're going to explain. All of those things can make a difference. And we're coaching people to get on the field. Okay, what do we do on the field? We start with the finish. What, how will this success, how will this meeting be successful at the end? What is our desired outcome from this phone call or this team meeting? We're not just here to cover and inform. As an example, if it's an internal meeting, we're out to, if I'm a manager, I'm out to have my team leave appreciating how their work contributes to the greater vision and leave with ideas that are going to ignite them and inspire them to, you know, work in a productive way that week versus covering stuff that's boring where people are checked out and on their phones. And, and this really has helped our, like, for example, our sales teams, because often we get with sales teams and they have a long deck largely about themselves because they're so excited about their products and they have a lot to say. And you got to reel that back because we always need to stand in the customer's shoes and say, what do they care about? And why should they care about anything that we have to say? And so, you know, that's a breakthrough for a lot of sales teams. Like, let's start with their business, their priorities, their competition. What would be a breakthrough for them? How have we helped other clients address those challenges? And how can we help you? So, I'm riffing that like, oh, it's so easy, but people aren't doing that. They're going in capability pitches or or not going in with a plan at all, particularly with internal meetings. So we're training people in managing conversations. And we even have a conversation planner in the book so you can start from the finish and ensure that it is a conversation versus a presentation. A lot of people are getting into a meeting, they're presenting. They're trying to get through their slides. And by and then at the end, with like four minutes left, they're saying, any questions? And that question, any questions, is the death toll because nobody's going to say anything. <laughs> nobody's going to say anything. So part of the training is if I really want to get feedback, I need to say, Sam, what are your thoughts on this? Or, you know, open up a question. What are you thinking right now? How does this fit in with the rest of your strategy? Does this match up with what you're seeing, you know, your people are saying? So you're asking open-ended questions. And one of the most powerful plays in managing conversations is you ask the questions and then you stare at people. And then they ultimately speak. You know, a lot of people, if they're so uncomfortable with silence that they just move into the next question and start talking. So part of this breakthrough in communication is listening, is pausing, is giving people a chance to think. But it's always about starting with the finish. And, you know, while mostly in the book, we focus on professional application of this, it's super relevant with coaching, whether it's at work or at home, right? Because if I 
want to, if I need to give some constructive feedback, I want to start with the finish and say, how am I going to leave this person empowered to believe that I care and see how changing his or her behavior and mindset will be a value to them? And that's not usually, you know, we're really not being thoughtful about what's happening over there. What's happening over there, even with your kids. You know, my kids will go on and on about some complaint and then I will have them feel heard. Got it, got it, got it, got it. And even though I'm dying to give my advice, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to ask them, well, what do you think you should do? How would you like it to look? And this is all in the book. What are the coaching questions to help people help themselves? which is very hard to do because we're dying to help everyone. Yeah. Plus I just want the damn answer. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. And, <laughs> and that's a big challenge in management yeah. and at home, except for my husband. He doesn't want to yeah. be told what to do. <laughs> yeah. He, does, he says so, that he doesn't work for me. Lisa, I certainly appreciate you just taking some time to come by the duct type marketing podcast. Why don't you tell me where you invite people, where they might connect with you, find obviously about your work and pick up a copy of fast forward. Sure. So our website is fastforwardgroup.net and there's a tab right there where you can tap on the book. We're in pre-sale right now and order it at a variety of different places and you'll get it in September. It will make a massive difference in your career and life. And that's how to find out more. Well, again, I appreciate you taking a moment to stop by and hopefully we'll run into you one of these days out there on the road. Great. Thank you, John.